What is up, fellow thermonuclear AFers? Dan and Grant are back with our final installation of NBA offseason grades, which can only mean that these will A, either be outdated before they go live, or B, be outdated immediately after they go live, because that would be absolutely how this works. But we're into the Pacific Division. Very quickly before we get started, please remember to subscribe to us wherever you consume us. Consume us. I'm talking too fast again. Hit the subscribe button on YouTube. Likes and comments help us bust up that algorithm too. And if this is your first chance checking us out, first time checking us out on your podcast player, subscribe to us there. Ratings on Spotify and Apple help a ton or iTunes. What is it? It's Apple now. It's Apple Podcast, not iTunes. I'm so old. Uh, Apple, that helps us out a ton. Follow us on the socials. Those are on the screen or in the podcast and YouTube descriptions. Join our Discord. Those are in the podcast and YouTube descriptions as well. And if you're just around because we're the only podcast that's putting out off-season content consistently, please consider sticking around when the season gets back up and the content will be even more saturated. We appreciate you checking us out now, but also consider staying with us long-term. With that out of the way, Grant, how the hell are you doing? I'm good. I would just say that the audience really is going to owe it to us, right? Like, we're, we are it. Great right way to pick now. up listeners. We're doing you all a favor. Yeah, you're welcome, first of all. I'm doing great. Um, I'm excited to do to to wrap this with uh, the division that I pay the closest attention to, just by virtue of my. Uh, we don't have to hide our fandom, right? Everybody has listened long enough knows I'm a Warriors fan. Uh, so yeah, I'm I, I'm glad to do the Pacific. It's funny because I do think you're in the same boat that I would argue at least a majority of our listeners don't know you're a Warriors fan, and there are like a majority of people. I'm sure a majority of this podcast knows I'm a Knicks fan. But like the way I talk about the Knicks or just cover the league, everyone accuses me of being biased against the Knicks. And so I'm like, that must mean I'm doing my job probably still poorly, but at least correctly if they can't detect it. Because it's just funny when I get accused of like, why do you hate the Knicks? And it's just like, if you had any sort of knowledge of like my background, it's just the complete opposite. You hate them because they've hurt you so much because you care so much. That's right. Like that's not hate. Yeah. I've consumed too much of my life rooting for them and Hence, my life is ruined. But criteria for these, as always, we don't care about Grant's fandom because he's just drowning in championship rings and and dynastic aspirations at the moment. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are grading these teams to this point as of Monday, August 22nd, even though you're probably listening to this on Wednesday or Thursday of that same week. Um, And also, these are organizational grades. So we're not grading them from a player's perspective. And finally, you know, don't get mad when people get b's and c or c's here don't get mad if they get a b if anyone was ever mad at a b in school i fucking hate you like i don't like i i remember my mom being angry that i got like 88s like if i didn't get like 89 and up it was considered like a disappointment don't hold people to that standard that's unfair a c is passing a c minus is passing so that's how we're doing this it's the d's and the f's you really have to worry about and there are certainly questions when you get into the c territory uh, with the criteria out of the way, though, Grant, and I'll throw it up on the screen for the YouTube watchers, we begin with the Golden State Warriors, and their notable moves include drafting Patrick Baldwin Jr. at number 28. They signed Lester Keonase to a two-way contract. They acquired Ryan Rollins, number 44, from the Hawks for Tyrese Martin, number 51, and $2 million in cash. They signed Hollins then to a three-year, $4.8 million deal. His first two years are guaranteed. They re-signed Kevon Looney to a three-year, $22.5 million deal. $17.5 million is guaranteed. Uh, the final season, when he'll be 28, is his age 21 campaign anyway. There's only $3 million guaranteed. It fully guarantees if the team wins the title in 2023 or 2024. 
They signed Michael Green to a one-year vet minimum deal after the Thunder bought him out. They signed Dante DiVincenzo to a two-year $9.2 million deal, most of the mini MLE there. There's a player option on year two. They signed Mac McClung to an Exhibit 9 contract. They signed Trevion Williams to an Exhibit 10 deal. Notable exits. Gary Payton II signed with the Blazers. Otto Porter Jr. signed with the Raptors. Damian Lee signed with the Suns. Juan Toscano Anderson is projected to be part of the Los Angeles Lakers' best closing lineup this season. And Andre Godala and Quindari Weatherspoon remain unsigned. What grade did you give your Warriors? Did we miss any of the transactions? This is the team that you can't afford to have anything missing. Yeah, I'm well, they didn't do a whole lot. So yeah, no, you, you got it. Is, yeah. is big is a big deal. Mac, yeah, the Mac McClung uh dribbling the air out of the ball and trying searching for highlight passes in summer league is was not one of my favorite things. Um this this is a B for me. Um and the Warriors are kind of weirdly a hard team to evaluate because on one side you have the well, how do they, you know, why didn't they just pay whatever it costs to keep Porter and Peyton? And there's some validity to that because why do we care what the billionaire spends at the same time? Like my, my personal opinion is like, you got to miss me with that stuff. Be like, or at least start somewhere else because there are, there are much richer owners that are way tighter with their spending. So just start somewhere else when you're going to complain about like why now, not all of them are title or defending a title or trying to catch another, get another one. But like, there's, there's a little lower hanging fruit if you're going to complain about ownership frugality. Like, this is not the place to start with that, in my opinion. So, um, it sucks to lose Peyton. Super important. Played a key role. Was better than he's ever been in his career. Um, is not that young. Uh, sucks to lose Porter. Also played a key role. Was better than he's been in a couple years. Perfect situation factored in for both of them. I would love to have had both back from a fan perspective. But I think to kind of backfill with Dante DiVincenzo, I mean, on a, on a, to me, a bargain deal um, and to get Jermichael Green kind of into the Porter spot. Um, I think based on how hard it typically is to keep a championship team together and not suffer a bunch of attrition, which the Warriors did. I mean, you listed all the guys they lost. Most of them were not significant minute players, uh, but like they did lose Peyton and Porter. It's hard to keep a team this good together, especially on the margins where guys are going to go somewhere else and get more money or get bigger roles uh, so I think all that factored in the B feels right to me. Um, and that's, and that's not even like really fact, like looking at the loony, uh, retention, which I think is super important. Um, yeah. and I do like the Baldwin pick cause this is so, sort of like once they, when they, when they got him, it felt like I'm not, I'm not making this comparison, but it's a sort of like a different version, a lesser version of a Michael Porter jr. Draft pick because, Baldwin was like a top five, depending on where you look, top 10 in his high school class. So like it was a weird situation where he went to a school that wasn't a big deal. His father was a coach, um, but similar in that, like, well, it's really just injuries for him. He had a terrible collegiate season. It was short and it was injury ridden, but like he's a big guy that can shoot. Uh, and there's there is there was at a point like this guy is a one of the five or 10 best players of his age in the, in the country. So getting someone like that at 28 when you're the Warriors and you can just afford to take home run swings with, you know, major downside, I really think that was the right pick for them. Um, and the other thing that you have to sort of, for me, uh, consider here is they're just banking on a ton of organic growth, which isn't an offseason thing. I mean, like, unless we're going to start factoring in, like, what's the player development staff doing? Um, but I think in light of the expectation that guys like Moody – and guys like Kaminga specifically, um, and even Poole, are going to improve. 
Um, I think it makes sense to go for someone like DiVincenzo who like injuries are the issue for him. Um, so there's like, there's a chance that he only gives you 40 good games or something like that. Uh, but that's okay. Cause you're going to backfill that with guys that are young and already on the roster and getting better. So even, even the downside risk of DiVincenzo, which is for sure there, um, cause he didn't look like an NBA player or a good NBA player for a lot of the last, you know, year, two years, um, I think that makes sense. So it's still just a B because they did lose key guys, but I think they did about as well as they could um, without just deciding to have like a $600 million, you know, roster cost. Yeah. I gave them a B too. And I tend to lean towards, they should have just kept, and I would have picked GP two over Otto Porter jr. Because of the Kaminga stuff. And I think they did with picking up to Michael green. I think what they basically done this offseason, they've showed less faith in James Wiseman than they did in Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody based off how their offseason went. And mm-hmm. that makes sense, but they also didn't go the full route of we're going to sign Hassan Whiteside uh, because that would have showed like no faith in James Wiseman probably. So I liked the Michael Gre- Jermichael Green pickup. And the thing with Otto Porter Jr., he wanted to be in Toronto, and I firmly believe he took less than market value uh, and that his actual salary, like the Warriors wouldn't have been able. Like he probably had richer offers from the rap uh, than the Raptors and the Warriors wouldn't have been able to pay him um, that much. And then the DiVincenzo pickup like sort of mitigates losing GP two. But I, again, on a team that really doesn't have like it's Moses Moody and Andrew Wiggins and Clay Thompson as your wings. And so now you're depending a lot on, I think Moses Moody might be ready based off what little we saw from him last season. Now you're kind of like, well, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins are both just going to be really good. And that's that offensively Clay Thompson. Sure. Um, having a like now games under his belt, maybe he continues to improve defensively. I'm just not like Andrew Wiggins was just the second best player on their team during the finals. Like that makes me wildly uncomfortable um, mm-hmm. and very appreciative of Steph for that matter. Uh, and that's like where I'm sort of like, they couldn't have won something else where like, if you have GP two, yeah, he's smaller, but at least that kind of beefs up your wing defense in the, in the event of disaster. If Moody's not ready, if Wiggins regresses, if Clay Thompson gets injured, I, again, I know he's smaller, but he can defend bigger uh the Kavon Looney signing though was a steal yeah a steal you have JaVal McGee getting about as much guaranteed money as Kavon Looney explain that to me explain it you can't can't. do it (laughs) it's inexplicable and um so yeah I do think they should have paid one of them but I can't quibble over it and the way you frame the Patrick Walden Jr. pick almost made me want to bump them up higher but I still think they should have kept somebody and like between GP2 or but like they should have kept GP two, but because they could have given him that money. Otto Porter Jr. was more of just sort of like if, like that was just iffy territory there. Um, and the other thing is just like it's I guess he had the leverage because he was signing for less than the mini MLE, so it's a win. But now they can't even keep Dante Divincenzo if he's good because right. he's not going to stay because he has the player option and he's not going to play um stay for the mini MLE, which would be the most that they could offer him effectively. So. That is, it's not a loss, but it's just like, I guess he had the leverage for a player option, especially because they didn't give him the full mini Emily. I think it was a good off season and you had to bank on organic growth. If you want to keep Clay Thompson and Draymond green long-term with the rest of this core, I do wonder if the absence of extensions for anyone, the off season is not over yet. Does that matter to you at all at this point? I mean, I don't know how it certainly has the potential to change the grade, right? Like, cause if they got, say, if, if they managed to reach an agreement with pool just to take one of them and you're talking like Anthony Simon's money or less, then I probably bump it up. Um, right. if, if it's gotta be, if it's significantly more than that, then maybe we're not changing it. Um, I, you know, and who knows what happens with Wiggins, uh, what happens with green, like, 
it just there is a little bit of an incomplete element here, but I really don't know. It really would just come down to the how good these extensions are. Like just if they extend or do not, if they don't do anything, I can't really knock it because right. um, they just retain all the leverage anyway and nothing really changes. And I don't think this is a team where it's like, well, Jordan Poole's pissed off and he's not going to, you know, you can't like this is a championship contender. That's not going to fly in the locker room. So the, the the downside risk of not giving guys as much as you can right away is is not as severe here as it would be on another team. It would be. And I like don't have a feel for what they should extend to any of these four guys. At the, I, I don't like Clay Thompson. I'm not worried about because it's just like Clay's not going to go anywhere if they right. want to keep him. And Draymond Green is like, I feel like they shouldn't extend him and they should make him opt out and play the market. Uh, but I could also like, if they do extend him, my guess would be that I'm going to be surprised at how cheap it was because I don't know why the Warriors would do it. Other, I'm not saying he's not important, but just like, that's where I'm at with him. I have no feel for Jordan Poole. I think Anthony Simon's money feels about right. But to me, he's shown he can do more when you look at his finishing specifically than Anthony Simons on offense. But like Anthony Simons has done it in like a higher leverage role because of the amount of time he was playing without Dame or even CJ last year. Yeah. But to go the other way, like Poole has, Poole has performed really well against the best teams in the biggest games. And Simons did it down the stretch for a team that was tanking. I, I don't disagree with you. Like, no, you're right. You're right. We've seen Simons do it, um, but I think we've seen Poole do it too. I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know, like, if I'm comfortable with Poole as like Curry's successor, right? Like, this is the guy who gets the keys in five years or whatever it is. Um, God, I hope it's five years, five more years for Steph. I hope um, it's. I hope it's like twelve. Yeah, right. Yeah, as long as you're willing to give me. Um, but I, I think in his role right now, Poole is like just an absolute luxury. He is overqualified for like by a ridiculous degree for what like his actual responsibilities are on the team right now. Yeah. And so my overarching point was, I don't think I could get mad. The, I guess the player's extension I'd most likely be turned off by, which is weird, might be Wiggins's if it, depending mm -hmm. on what it is. Um, I do think it would be awkward though. Like, wasn't there that video of Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins congratulating each other on getting the bag this offseason yeah. and they just extend neither of them? That'd be like, I, I, I forgive everything said within the, within an hour of winning a championship. <laughs> you're not, you're not in your right mind. I that'll never hold up in court. Like they cannot be held to those statements. Uh, yeah. B's across the board. And I think they only really have the, I can't imagine them going down. Like it would have to be, they'd have to max out Poole and declare him. Curry successor for yeah. me to be like, whoa, we like, we need to, like, we need to, yeah. or just give, give, give Draymond like the full max or something totally insane, you know, crazy like that. Yeah. So bees across the board for them. We are on to, and I need to put it up on the screen, but we're on to the uh, LA Clippers, which I have a feeling where we're both going to go with this. They signed Avita Zubac to a three year, $32.8 million extension. He declined or they declined. I think he had a non guarantee, whatever. There was a, the season that he had left in 2022, 2023, that option was declined as part of the extension. Uh, they signed Nicholas Batum to a two-year $22.6 million deal. That was not, incidentally, uh, declared they were going to investigate salary cap circumvention yeah. like the Sixers and James Harden. They signed Amir Coffey to a three-year $11 million deal, fully guaranteed. They signed John Wall to a two-year $13.3 million deal. That was the MLE. and includes a team option on the second year. They drafted Musa Diabata at number 43 and signed him to a two-way contract. They signed Xavier Moon and Moses Brown to exhibit 10 deals. Notable exits, they waived Jay Scrub. Uh, Isaiah Hartenstein signed with the Knicks. I will note that the Knicks gave Hartenstein more than the Clippers could physically offer. They were limited to their mini MLE. Uh, and Rodney Hood remains unsigned. 
Ronnie Hood just floating out there remaining unsigned is like kind of sort of interesting, maybe perhaps not after what we've seen the past few years. Anyway, Grant, what grade do you give the Clippers and why is it just a flat A? <laughs> well, I wanted to make it an A minus because of, well, I, I don't know if I had to choose between Zubats and Hardenstein. I, I don't know what I do. I hate that they lost Hardenstein. We've lauded the Knicks for getting Hardenstein. It's still just a flat A. Um, because like you said, it was a financial thing and like, get it like Zubats's contract is still like a total bargain to me. And I don't know right. how badly you need two conventional centers. Um, so that's all, that's all fine. I can't do, I, I just can't go less than an A cause like getting the team option on wall. Um, there's like, I'm not saying it's likely, but there's a chance that, so that wall plays like a guy that, you know, is he's getting thir- he's got 13.3 million total over the two years. There's a chance he plays like a guy who should be getting paid twice that this year. Like he right, he, you don't know that he might really be that good. It's not likely. His the time he played in Houston, not this, not this past season, obviously, but like after yeah. he was first rate, like he wasn't terrible. He it was, was good enough. Yeah. It yeah. was good, and with nothing around him. And now it's just like look at the the transformation of the of the roster that he's playing with. So. And the best thing is, like, if it goes belly up, if he can't play at all, it's like, oh, well, we, we're off the hook for this next year. We spent six and a half million dollars or whatever it was, like, not a big deal. Um, and, don't, and frankly, like, they don't need him. Like, they're going to be very good without him. So, uh, yeah, your, your guy, Amir Coffey, totally reasonable deal, three for 11. Um, Batum may feel a little bit rich, but I think he really matters on this team still. Um I just, yeah, it's an A. I don't know. I don't know unless you're, unless like you had to have Hartenstein and and you would have cost you all this other stuff to keep him. Uh, but you, I don't, you couldn't. Like he signed for yeah, more yeah. than the, he would have had to take less to stay. Right. So unless you're going to tell me he was going to take less and you wanted him over John, you know, uh, this is my only A plus of oh. the offseason because look, they hit everything. Like you got Nick Batum back. They just have all the, Amir Coffee was really good last year. I couldn't believe. They only got him for 11 million over three. I was actively angry at basically every other single team in the NBA for allowing that to happen. The Zubach extension for a starting five. Yeah. That's like, that's a number that it's not even, oh, it's okay that you're paying him that even though he might not close some games. You bump that up like five to eight million a year and you would still be okay mm-hmm. with that. He is a better rim protector than he gets credit for, has real value for what he does on the offensive end for them. Um, I think you could dig them if you wanted to, to be like, well, the backup big, situation is kind of weird it's Zubats and moses brown and then oh is roco or morris there primary like backup five okay good yeah good. i'm fine with that that sounds <laughs> great because you know what reggie jackson and john wall they're like there are flaws with either player where if john wall is not john wall then you don't have a primary like playmaker on this team like mm-hmm. you have Kawhi leonard and paul george but you don't have like the floor general type pass first guy um but then you get to go point guard list because of all like your smaller ball options and the other thing that's probably just not receiving enough attention to me, and you meant, by the way, the team option for John Wall is a home run for the Clippers. They have not been looped in to the Kevin Durant trade talks at all. There's been no, oh, they've, like, with the Celtics and Jalen Brown, whether they let it out, whether the Nets let it out, whether that's completely false, and let's face it, it's not. There has to be a modicum of truth to it. There's been nothing. Paul George is on the table for Kevin Durant. They didn't even get the, what we just saw from Shams recently, both the Nuggets and the Pelicans inquired about Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. Like they've just steered clear of all of that. And you can argue, well, there's still a combustibility with the injuries to Powell and Kawhi and Paul George. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. Like what, like, what do you want them to do about that? They can't physically pay for a magic wand that just rids Kawhi Leonard and Paul George of all these injuries. They had nothing to work with 
this offseason aside from talent retention in the mini MLE, and they turned that talent retention into a, a steal of a deal from your coffee. I would say like market value for Nick Batum, the way he's played over the past two seasons, maybe there's some risk there at that number, but the cap is going up. And then just like John Wall with a team option for the for the mini MLE. This was an A plus, 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 plus. I don't know how they could have had a better offseason. Again, unless you told me Hartenstein said, hey, I'll come back for less than the MLE. But then at that point, I'm like, oh, well, then who are you signing to maybe be? Like the, the ceiling on John Wall is higher than the ceiling on Hartenstein. So no doubt. So that like I can't even really fault that. Uh, yep. So it's an A plus and it's the only one I gave out this summer. Yeah, I don't give A pluses, but this would have been uh, right in. I mean, I don't know who I like, whose offseason is just a cleaner, like string of wins than this one. Uh, Mr. I don't give out A pluses. You're one of those. All right. All right. I like to save one and I try to, I try to give one F. I don't think I gave out an F this offseason, though. Hmm. Well, the Lakers we, are next. <laughs> speaking of which, the Lakers are up. Uh, notable moves. Russell Westbrook picked up his $47.1 million player option. Stanley Johnson picked up his player option. Kendrick Nunn picked up his player option. Wenyan Gabriel's contract was guaranteed, I believe. LeBron James signed a two-year $97.1 million extension. Player option on year two, which is 2024-2025. Of note, that money goes up if the cap goes up. Uh, signed Lonnie Walker the fourth to a one-year deal at the mini MLE. Signed Troy Brown Jr. to a vet minimum deal. Signed Damian Jones to a two-year $4.9 million deal with a player option on year two. Signed Juan Toscato Anderson, a favorite of Hardwood Knox, to a one-year vet minimum. Signed Thomas Bryant to a one-year vet minimum. Drafted Max Christie at number 35 and signed him to a two-year $2.7 million deal. Signed Cole Swider to a two-way contract. Signed Scotty Pippen Jr. to a two-way contract. And gave exhibit tens to Javante McCoy, Jay Huff, and Fabian White Jr. Their notable exits include Malik Munt signing with the Kings, Kent Bazemore also signed with the Kings, Dwight Howard, Mello, DJ Augustine, Trevor Reza, Wayne Ellington, and Avery Bradley remained unsigned. I'm just laugh laughing at how many guys were actually playing for the Lakers last year who just remain unsigned right now. Uh, maybe that's not actually funny, but Grant, what, what move did you give the Lakers? And I, I would like you to maybe answer this question first before you give the grade. How, did you price in at all that Russell Westbrook at this moment is still on the team. I mean, yeah, that's a factor. Uh, <laughs> like, but, <laughs> so I, I think I, I think I had this as a C minus uh, in July and I've since gone down to a D plus not for any particular reason, but just looking at what the team projects to be. Uh, I'm just less, less increasingly uh, less and decreasingly enthused, I guess would be the right way to say that. Um, yeah, Westbrook still being there is not a great look. I just, uh, but I, but again, like how much, do, I mean, this is, this is ultimately, we should be penalizing them for having him on the roster in the first place. We've, that's been belabored forever. Um, it's just, he's hard to trade and he should be hard to trade. So, um, it's a factor and it's not helpful, but it's not like the end all be all. The main thing is like, I don't think this team is better. I think, I think probably looking at it now, it, it's worse. Uh, be just even if you're just going the downgrade from Monk to Lonnie Walker, and like you could defend the Lonnie Walker move, like he's just he's young enough uh, that you know he's had flashes of he's shot it great from three in one season, and and he was good away. after the trade deadline last year too. So it's, yeah, something is there, and I guess if you're gonna take flyers on guys because that's sort of all you can afford to do decent decent option so i mean it's still a d plus like <laughs> i didn't fail him but like there's just no shooting on this team uh there's 
there's just not a nearly enough supporting talent. And like the really bad thing is when you listed those guys that are unsigned, some of them started to like, man, I think, well, geez, Ariza and Ellington, like, I think I might want those guys on the roster. And here's the thing. Nobody else does like they're, they're, they're unsigned. So the fact that looking at the, the like discarded Lakers from last year makes me think like those guys could actually help. That tells me that the roster going in is not great. Now we love Toscano Anderson. Total agree there. Uh, but like, He's not a shooter, uh, certainly not at volume. He's a, he's going to be helpful in some aspects. He's a great passer. He can play a lot of positions. He had, I think, the highest one of the highest defensive versatility numbers on B-Ball Index from last year. He can guard everybody. But he's like, I mean, you saw it last year on a really good team. He's not going to play. So uh, that just tells you where the Lakers are. So it's a D plus. Um, it could be lower if, if you really wanted to just kill him for, you know, not addressing the shooting, uh, but you know, it, it, it's, it's not a good grade. It's, it's spoiler. It's the worst in the division for me by a considerable margin. I gave them a D plus and tried not to bake in Russell Westbrook as much. Otherwise I would have given them an F uh, because the reality is, is just like, we can say, give up the two picks for Kyrie Irving. We don't actually know if the Nets would do that. That's just the assumption. No, they wouldn't. Cause if that were on the table, don't you think that's done? Don't like, it has to be done. If the Nets said, hey, give us Russ and two picks, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Uh, and I'll ask you about the Russ stuff in a second and see whether that could technically elevate their grade. It does, I think. Let's get to that in a minute. Um, I was happy about the Lonnie Walker signing until I saw like, oh, they didn't even get a player option, like a team op- a team option, excuse me, on that, or a non-guarantee. That was that was bad. And I know they're trying to conserve their powder, but then did you really have to give him the full MLE? What was his market? He was a restricted free agent, but like if Amir coffee was three or $11 million, like Amir coffee has shown more to me, like to trust, to be part of a team, like to be part of a larger ecosystem than Lonnie Walker, the fourth. Um, so I did not love that. And like you said, they failed to address the shooting. They could not, and I'm not digging them for losing Malik Monk. They, they couldn't keep Malik Monk. That's also why when you're picking up distressed players as a team, I get why the players roll the dice as a team, get a team option. Like, yeah. and I do think Lonnie Walker, the fourth probably a situation where he could have had a team option. Uh, like I, and why Damian Lee play a uh, player option? Like, are we, is this a, is this a for real thing right now? Or Damian Jones? I'm sorry. He showed a lot with the Kings last year. Um, some like from what I saw, like the, and I didn't see a ton of him, but like had some really nice offensive moments with them. Why does he have a player option? Why? Yeah. Uh, why is he better than, than some random minimum guy you could, you could go get? I, I mean, love the JTA signing. And I think that's why I said it at the top of this segment. I think that he should be part of their closing lineup, which is also kind of harrowing when you really yeah. think about it. I thought the Max Christie uh, pick and then the subsequent contract was a good one for them, but to just not have more shooting around LeBron where it's, Oh, who is, and don't include, please don't include LeBron James in this. I guess it's Kendrick Nunn, but who's the best shooter on this team? I mean, it would be, it's, if I can't include LeBron, it's, it's none, I think. I, I just, I mean, well, in terms of guys that can actually get up enough shots for it to like actually matter. Cause there's a, there's a scenario where JTA takes like 0.73s a game and shoots 38% or something like that. Yeah. But so that just doesn't matter. And just like the, I saw like people on Lakers Twitter talking about Troy Brown Jr. as like a three and D, like almost wingish type player. I'm going to let you know right now that is not what he's even hinted at being in the NBA. He's actually been better defensively 
than I could have expected. The three ball has not been something that I've just been like trusting. He can maybe do stuff off the dribble, but hey, so can Russ and LeBron and Kendrick Nunn and Lonnie Walker the fourth now. Yeah. Uh, I like the Thomas Bryant signing. Like, is he the best shooter on this team? Outside That's a of good LeBron? point. I mean, he has been. He or, or like with the exception of last position, year, he yeah. has the potential to be one of the more meaningful shooters. Yeah. So I might even bump this up to a C minus because there were some like stabs in the dark they took, but there was nothing done that inspired confidence in me yet. And you know what? I'm going to give them because they got the LeBron extension. I need to bump this up to a C I, or C. I'm going to go C minus just because the LeBron extension extension, I think provides a level of clarity that matters. So now are you a little bit, if they're more comfortable trading their picks because LeBron's here for a guaranteed two years instead of one. Sure. Why not? And so, like, what else, really, who are they going to sign for the... Yeah, Bruce Brown Jr. would have made way more sense here. Was he willing to go to the Lakers, uh, who apparently didn't want to give out, like, player options to good players, like, uh, or something? Like, so I, I'll i go C-minus, but, and I'll throw this to you here, the Russell Westbrook, if they move him, has the potential to shoot that grade way up. We would be in agreement. And would you do... So the deal, the Kyrie one is, if it's... If it's Russ, the two first for Kyrie, are you doing it? I'd like to throw other scenarios at you to see if you would do it. So I think I, well, it's so hard because like, I just, I'm so out on Kyrie Irving as a player I want on my team, but this is a different, this is like the circumstance where I could, it, it would check out logically to me. So yeah, if, if they go Russ in the 27 is 27 and 29, right? Those are the first and they get Kyrie and I, and like, I don't know what that goes to. I'm probably going to like the B range just, just because who that, who cares? Like this, if all you have is your 27 and your 29, you're kind of already compromised in terms of like <laughs> your pick equity. So like, and you're way down the road, you just extended LeBron. Like I think getting Irving in there. So, so then Kyrie Irving's your best shooter, right? Like there's, there's that's, part of it. That's, that's okay. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. That's addressed. So if they did that, great. But like some of the other packages, I don't know. It's hard to say if, how I'd feel. It'd be a case by case thing, but just like the rust thing's not going to work. It's so if they don't do it, if they, what they, are things we said immediately after the Russell Westbrook trade happened immediately. And like and real, people, real loudly, it was not, it was very comfortable out on that limb. Like I did not have any doubt that I that that was going to flip on me. And Lakers fans have started to push back at least towards this podcast by saying, well, the Lakers were the championship favorite after that trade. That has no, bearing on reality that's just based off of the action that was geared toward the lakers championship odds it's because of how many people make that exact argument that the odds were what they were it's like they're just (laughs) trying to draw enough bets on either side of the line yeah no that's that's ridiculous um yeah i well so if if, say they do the Kyrie trade or something else like how high are you going probably b plus maybe an a minus because the lebron extension like right now, what I thought was interesting, Nate Duncan pointed this out. LeBron signed it like basically the day after it ensured he could not be traded next season, like because mm-hmm. of the six month rule. Um, and so like you could argue, well, now you have no flexibility because you can't trade LeBron when you don't have Kyrie. But all of a sudden, that's not uh, that's not unpalatable. And you were never trading LeBron to begin with. Like right. what is that? Like get, even getting into that discussion is just harrowing. So I'd probably give B plus A minus range because like I'm still not inspired. Like. I guess I could go A minus because I like Damian Jones. Where if you're going to tell me that you don't want to prioritize cap space next year because you have Kyrie Irving, I don't care that Damian Jones has that player option. So I might go as high as A minus. You alluded to these other deals. Let me throw a couple at you to see what you would do. Are you doing the two first and Russ for Buddy Heald and Miles Turner? Yeah, 
I am. I think I am because you're getting two. You're getting two like legitimate starting. Ca- I mean, healed we can argue about, but two legitimate starters and the, and the shooting. Jesus Christ, the shooting would just change the team. And I think people have argued that Miles Turner wouldn't be part of the Lakers' closing lineup. So why are you giving him two first round picks? One, he has a better chance of being part of good closing lineups than Russ. Yeah. And just like Anthony Davis, there's 82 other games where he doesn't want to play center. Right. And so like Miles Turner certainly matters. Uh, the jazz scenarios that are being bandied about what combination, if it's, let's say it's Boyan Bogdanovich, Malik Beasley and Patrick Beverly for Russ. Are you giving up two first round picks for that? Those are all expiring contracts. Malik Beasley has a team option, but that's harder. I, I mean, it's well, it's Beasley, Russ or Beasley, Bogdanovich and Beverly. I don't know if that's quite it. I'm trying to get away with Russ in one of the picks. I think oh, I'm trying I'm to hold up on two. to one. I think Bogdanovich might be worth a first round pick on his own, like a lower level one. Yeah. I bet this is into the future, but like Malik Beasley helps them out more. Mm-hmm. I think the one first round pick stuff only starts to fly if Conley's deal has become such a net negative that teams have decided, oh, that $15 million partial guarantee in 23-24 is a problem. Mm-hmm. And my whole thing is... um that if I was the Lakers, I might still give up two first round picks in that because Mike Conley was good last year. People just have a sour taste in his mouth because of the postseason. So if it was Conley, Beasley, and Bogdanovich, I might still give up the two first. I think it's less inspiring than some of the other packages for what you're trying to project ahead long term. But you already hit on it. Fuck long term. You right. have LeBron in, right now, so I would do it. I don't. I'm trying to think of a scenario where you could give up one first round pick and get better. Uh, and I think the scenario would be, and it'd be a negligible needle, but it's like. Fournier and Randall for like Russ. Like, is that a deal you're doing? No picks involved. Are you even doing that if you're the Lakers? Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I really want Russ off this team so bad if I'm the Lakers. So, I mean, what about is the Gordon Hayward stuff? Like, there's just just to have salary ballast there. Like, I don't know what you have to give up what with is, Russ to. Yeah, like, what is that. Charlotte doing in that scenario? What, I don't want to Charlotte talk about, ever doing. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about the Miles Bridges thing in basketball terms, but like, you're only then doing that if you're trying to rebuild right mm-hmm. because you want to get off long-term money uh they have not acted like a team that's trying to do that and so i don't yeah. know what they and my point on bridges was like you kind of need gordon hayward now because mm-hmm. obviously so well you need him to do to do what to to try to finish seventh like and that's you're, first of all that's way too high of a ceiling wow. you need them to do what you've always been trying to do which is finish between eight and eleven yeah <laughs> that's, right that's it uh, that, those are the only teams that I can like reasonably think. I guess so. The one I thought about that's just not being discussed. Would you do one first round pick, Russ, into San Antonio's cap space for Josh Richardson? Russ a first for Josh Richardson, and if you're the Spurs, like maybe the Lakers are throwing you a swap in 28. Like, to, but I wouldn't give up two first round picks because you're getting one player. But if you're the Lakers who run themselves like a mom and pop shop, you're saving a a boatload of money for this season by going from Russ to Jay rich. I think that's a hard sell to like LeBron and Anthony Davis. Like the, I think if Russ is going, they got to get some like Richardson's uh, would start. Right. (laughs) But but I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's well, the, the Spurs should be talked about just generally more for any of these deals. Like, cause they're just, they can be the dumping ground. What Um, about Doug McDermott, Josh Richardson for Russ in a first? I think I'd do that. Just give me some shooting. You know, the the, the shooting is I, a big factor. I think the Lakers could argue they'd prefer to not get McDermott so that they have the money off their books next year, but I would do the one first. And if I'm the Spurs, it's like, 
I'm waving Russ immediately. Right. I don't have to get involved in the trade deadline with anyone. I got rid of my cap space and we're all in on Victor Wembanyama and Scoot Henderson. Yeah. I, I kind of like that for both sides, but there's going to be, there'll be people on Lakers in Lakers circles that will be mad if they give up a first round pick for Josh Richardson. That for, I get it. <laughs> LeBron might be one of them to be honest, but well, yeah, that's true too. Uh, it's not good. The Lakers are in trouble. Uh, I went to a C minus though. You gave them a D plus the next team up is they're like kind of an interesting team. Uh, mm-hmm. Even though technically they didn't do anything splashy. Let's get them up on the screen. The Phoenix suns, their notable moves include they re-signed DeAndre into a four-year $133 million deal by way of matching Indy's offer sheet. No trade bonuses, uh, no player option at the end of this deal. Just a good piece of business for Phoenix, I guess. Signed Devin Booker to a four-year $224.2 million extension, 10% trade kicker, no player options. And believe it or not, this deal will take Devin Booker through his age 30 season. That dude is so young. Signed Monty Williams to a multi-year contract extension, not a contraction, which it says on the screen. Uh, signed Damian Lee to a one-year vet minimum. Signed Josh Okogie to a one-year vet minimum. Signed Ish Wainwright to a two-way deal. Signed Dwayne Washington Jr. to a two-way deal. It's funny because the Pacers waived Dwayne Washington Jr. so that they could make room for the DeAndre Ayton offer sheet. And then he ends up signing in Phoenix after DeAndre Ayton does. Uh, and they acquired Jock Landell from the Hawks for cash. Notable exits. JaVale McGee signed with the Mavs. Frank Kaminsky signed with the Hawks. Aaron Holiday signed with the Hawks. And Alfred Payton, this is the biggest one, he remains unsigned. Very quickly, I feel like we've had a lot of instances where when I've looked at the notable exits, it's been this team lost two players who signed with the same team. Like Interesting. So uh, just at least in this podcast, like so the Lakers with the Kings. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that type of stuff. But anyway, what grade did you give the Phoenix Suns? This is actually the one I've been dying to know about the, the next two teams, actually I find to have had the most fascinating off season. So I'm dying to know what you gave the Suns. So this was a C in July because the eight and stuff hadn't happened yet. Um, and I moved it up all the way to a B plus. Um, and I don't think, I don't know if, if the Booker thing, I don't think the Booker extension was factored in start with the Booker. Like the Booker extension is he's worth that money. Um, there's the, and the, the Suns basically get him for the rest of his early prime and he's locked in. There's no options. Like this is set. Your superstar foundation is set. I think we, I think we agree that Booker is at that level. Um, so that's great. And then the eight, the way that the Aiden thing played out, um, it like, look, this is the type of thing that could just have ripple effects, and he could be unhappy all year, and that could, you know, throw a legit contender off course. Um, but theoretically, he felt the same way last year, and the only difference now is he has 133 million dollars. Like, so. If that's if, the type if, of gaming system set up, he could buy. Oh, with that man, he, just the, I mean, think of the ergonomic chairs. And, <laughs> uh, I mean, no spare, no expense. Can you get like an Eames gaming chair? Those are like, you know, $5,000 chair. So, but so like teams don't really do this that often. Um, and this was an interesting circumstance because we're talking about a number one overall pick that's playing for a contender that is still on his rookie deal, essentially when all this was happening. Um, I just, I kind of like how the Suns did it. They basically said like, go out and prove that there's a market at a certain level for you. I don't, maybe they weren't even communicating. They probably didn't say this to him, but the implication was go prove what you're worth. And then we'll decide if we want to do that. And like immediately, immediately they decided, yeah, that's fine. And it's just asset preservation, whether they view Aiden as a key piece down the road or not, it's clear that there is a market for him at this rate. And that was with a, a small number of teams able to bid. 
So you have to assume that with more teams able to had more teams been able to pay, pay him the max, their four year maxes, he would have had, there would have been way more opportunities. So like, this is what he's worth. So you can trade him at this number, I think for value, most likely, like you can get back value. You're not attaching anything to get off Deandre Ayton's money. So I just like the hard line. I, I like that. They didn't do anything earlier than they had to. I like that. They said, we'll just pay what we think you're worth. And you go decide, you let the market decide what that is. So um, it's like the roster didn't meaningfully change, but just the way that the Suns sort of conducted things, I think they, they went about it the right way. And if the downside is you pissed off Aiton, I think he was already upset and like, that's fine. You can trade him after the, the restriction expires. Very quickly, I forgot to include that they re-signed Bismarck Biombo too, which to a one-year vet minimum, did not write it. Uh, that actually matters because you let JaVale McGee walk. Um I'm with everything you said. So I flirted with giving them an A minus and went with a B plus. But the Devin Booker extension is no player option. Yeah. Like, how is that? That is such a huge win for them. Uh, I think it's also, I didn't factor this in, but it's a win that Kevin Durant wanted to come and play with Devin Booker. First, Chris Paul, now Kevin Durant. And I know people have been like, well, think about everyone who says like they've want to hoop with all these guys who can score. And I'm like, saying you want like Jamal Crawford as a caps lock hooper is different from being like, I want to go play with Devin Booker. Yeah. So that's a win for them. Even if they don't end up with KD, uh, I just like, why not just offer Deandre Ayton a sub max five-year deal at the start of free agency. And I like to leave it to chance just felt weird because if you offered this exact contract, like you had to know, deep down that there would be a team that was going to give them, especially like when the Pacers were skulking around. And I know at some point you were trying to keep your Kevin Durant trade options open. Um, I understand that, but it just feels like they could have taken a lot. I, like I agree with the way that they played it, but I feel like they still could have played it better because you have to know like the way that free agency works, like this Indiana interest did not come out of nowhere. No. And so it's fine that you went out, I, but they, so this is a very rambly way of me getting to the point of it feels like they treated this eight and contract as it's going to probably be a net negative for them towards the end, even though the salary cap is going up, even though he's young, I get not wanting to pay a non superstar center that much money. Deandre Ayton's a top 10 center in the league. He might, he's like flirting around the front, like top five. He might be top five already. Like if you're going to tick off the ones that are absolutely better than him, you get into Jokic, you get into Embiid. Carl Anthony Towns is still there. Uh, and then after that, is there like anyone who's guaranteed? I'm sure I'm missing at least somebody. Like some people might say Clint Capella, but it's probably DeAndre Ayton. You may be underselling it oh, too. Because he's, he's he, sure, but he's young enough, and and like I think probably now there's enough smoke for there to be fire with respect to like his professionalism and like work habits and stuff. Like he's an adjustment in those areas away from being even better than than we're saying he is. Like they're the they're still like major. He's number one overall pick. Like any sort of by all accounts is not super serious about basketball. Like that's, that's bad, but like that can change too. I just, I don't even know if I buy into that as much. This is just like some of the spin that's come out. So, but he, and he was good. And just like the way, and I also think there's like this, it's deserved because you to go out in a game seven, like the Suns did, which is, was bad. And, but like they still won like a trillion games. Mm -hmm. And so they're a really good team. I think they played this. I don't, I think they played this well. I don't think they played it optimally is really what it was with Aiton. Why not offer him a five-year sub-max? And if he doesn't take it, then you kind of save face there. And if he does, now you have him on like locked up on market value at worst for the life of this contract with the cap going up. And 
I didn't ding them for this because I don't know who they would have signed, but to not like get like to, they didn't spend the mini MLE. And I don't really have a problem with that looking at who they might've realistically had a chance at, but they do need like someone different from campaign as the ball handler, preferably someone bigger um, who puts more pressure on the rim. That being said, were you getting that with the mini MLE? So I'm at the point where the Suns are at the level where it's like, well, you should just spend it anyway. Like if there's anybody out there who's even kind of mm -hmm. sort of worth it. Um, but like they didn't need Bruce Brown, I guess, if you had Tory Craig who's back. So I, I like, I didn't know how to, what to make of that. It was mostly the eight and stuff for me, but I think the, um, I, I like the extension for Monty Williams as well. And I actually kind of like the, I know he didn't play with the, um, I know he wasn't playing with the Warriors steadily towards season end, but having Damian Lee, I like that as a flyer on like a, just a, a wing who can shoot and move off the ball and also hold up defensively. So I think it was a good off season. Kevin Durant stuff obviously looms over them, uh, but uh, they could have played it better, but not much better, I guess is what I'm getting at. I, I'm asking because I don't know the answer. I'm not sure what my opinion. Do you, do you think that the way they played the Aiton situation was at least partially motivated by, well, what if, and maybe the Pacers were just the wrong team for this, but what if there's a sign and trade out there that we're going to lose the opportunity to execute uh, the, if, if we do the five-year submax deal? Like I, I wonder, cause the Turner thing always made sense. There were a bunch of like base year compensation issues with trying to concoct eight and trades, but the Turner thing actually, as, as I recall, actually worked like he, you know, his salary would have been, you could, you could have done it. You could have done a sign and trade, for eight with for the principals being eight into the Pacers and Turner coming back. I wonder if the reason they didn't just sign eight and sooner is because they were thinking like, this is a possibility. Um, it, it, but, but I don't know. I mean, does that make any difference to you? Do you think that was a factor? So you're saying, something? so you're saying the Suns didn't sign Aiton because they thought he could be involved in the KD trade or just a turn. No, trade? that, that, that it, instead of him just signing an offer sheet with Indy, they could have worked out a sign and trade. So the reporting was that Indy wanted to work out a sign and trade because Why Herb Simon. That? Wouldn't that be better? Don't you think that'd be better for the Suns? Yeah, maybe it could. I mean, I do think Turner's a defensive upgrade over Aiton. Uh, I don't think he's appreciated enough defensively and he obviously spaces the floor. But what are you going to pay? I guess he'd be cheaper than Aiton moving forward too after this deal. Yeah. Um, the rebounding gets worse for you, and you're not going to be like if now who's your best rebounder without DeAndre Aiton there? Is it? I guess it would. Would it be Miles Turner? And if it's not, that's that's an issue. That's problem. Um, so, and, and as I think about it, I think I think maybe the idea be, would would have been that what we can potentially get if we have to trade a disgruntled Aiton on this new deal is more valuable than miles Turner in the last year of his deal and whatever we have to pay him. And look, maybe, maybe it was as simple as they were going to offer eight and something, but then the Kevin Durant scenario, like that was, they knew that was deteriorating. They knew he'd be on his list and they were like, well, if we can reroute Deandre Aiton as part of this, like no one's off the table aside from Booker and Chris Paul and everything that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So that's not even an insult to Aiton. I still just think like, I, I get why they didn't sign him to the extension last year. And to be fair, like it seemed like there was very much one team that was going to sign him to the max, unless Detroit went after Duran in part because they thought that Aiton and Indy were married to each other. So, yeah. um, as my work phone goes off in the background, uh, spoiler alert, it's not about a Donovan Mitchell trade. Um, but yeah, so I, I just I think it was a good quality offseason. I don't think they did anything wrong or missed out on any opportunities. And even if you go through who's the best player who actually signed a mini mid level deal this summer. It's either Joe Ingles or Lonnie Walker the fourth, I think. And so it's like, you know, whatever. Um, uh, so 
Yeah, I don't think they missed out on anything, but the Suns B pluses from both of us, I think, or did you give them an A minus? No, nah, it's a B plus for me. Uh, let's move on to the final team, which was also fascinating, maybe morbidly so. The Sacramento Kings. Uh, let me throw them up on the screen before I go through them. So they signed Mike Brown to a four-year contract to be their new head coach. They drafted Keegan Murray at number four. They traded number 37, Jaden Hardy, to, to Dallas for two second rounders, one in 2024, one in 2028. They traded Kevin Herter to the Hawks. Now, if you're watching this on the screen, I'll change it live. They traded Kevin. No, they traded. They acquired. Oh my God. My type is here. And I'm fixing it when no one else is going to see it. They acquired Kevin Herter from the Hawks for Maurice Harkless, Justin Holiday, and a 2024 first-round pick that is lotto protected in 2024, top 12 protected in 2025, top 10 protected in 2026, then turns into two, uh, then turns into a 2026 second. Trey Lyles picked up his player option. They signed Malik Monk to a two-year $19.4 million deal. They signed Shima Moneke to a two-year $2.7 million deal. It guarantees on January 10th, second year non-guaranteed. They signed Matthew Delavadova to a partially guaranteed one-year vet minimum contract. They signed Kent Bazemore to a vet minimum contract. They signed Sam Merrill to a two-year $3.8 million deal. That guarantees on July uh, January 10th, excuse me, second year is non-guaranteed. They signed Casey Akpala to a two-year deal. I could not find info on the exact cost. They signed Nahimis Keita to a two-way contract. Notable exits. Uh, Damian Jones signed with the Suns. Dante DiVincenzo signed with the Warriors. And Jeremy Lan and Josh Jackson remain unsigned. Grant, what grade did you give your Sacramento Kings? Your Sacramento Kings. Don't, don't saddle me with the Kings. Um, they would want me, though, because all they want are things and people that are associated with the Warriors. So um, I would I would be very much on their list. Um, this is a C plus. And I feel really uncomfortable with it because the only move I definitely like is the herder trade. And even that has a lot of risk, although the basically if it's a really high pick, the Kings will not surrender it. Um, but the Kings, you could argue, are a team that just should never be trading first round picks under any circumstances. Um, so I like the herder trade. I think he's really going to help. Um, I love the how much secondary playmaking this offense has now between him and Sabonis in support of Fox, because I'm starting to think that. Deer and Fox might just be like, he's kind of a scorer first, I think. And I think maybe if you can take the ball out of his hands, not because he's a shooter, but get him on the move, get him in advantage situations, like create a Utah jazz like offense where he gets it with the head of steam. He's just more of a scorer, I think potentially. Um, so I like the theory behind that. Um, I am uninspired by the Mike Brown hire. I think. He's oh, fine. Um, I just think, uh, he has not impressed me as a head coach. He's been a great assistant. Like that's all I feel confident saying about him um, and a super good guy. And I think the Warriors luster really mattered a lot for the Kings because they care about that. So the Murray, the Keegan Murray pick looked way better in summer league than I thought. Um, I'm still not ready after just a summer league session, basically to say that that was the right pick over Jaden Ivey. Um, I'm always going to want to guard over a, a forward and I just still have questions about Murray athletically defensively. Um, if he's more than like really going to be like a spot shooter, uh, I, I don't know yet. So it's a C plus basically because of herder um, monk is fine, but this again, like zooming all the way out, this offense could be very good. And this team could be very exciting. This team's defense has been absolutely terrible forever and they did nothing uh, to address that. So unless you're a top five offense in the league, 
you're not making the playoffs. Uh, you're 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 going to get bounced at best in the first round of the play-in, and you're done. Uh, so, I, big picture, they just there's just like such a one-way construction to this team that makes it almost impossible for them to win more than they lose. I give them a B minus because I feel like Mike Brown is going to at least care about defense, mm-hmm. and that's going to help them in the long run with this personnel. And I like that. I agree with you. The long-term vision, it just doesn't feel aimless. They've decided let's surround Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox with a shit ton of shooting. Mm-hmm. And I, there are worse models to go. I'm a b- bigger believer in Keegan Murray than you. Uh, I think the motion shooting is there for him. I still don't know how I feel about him athletically on defense. And they need him to be like good on defense. Like him and Harrison Barnes and Davion Mitchell are like the backbone of their defense mm-hmm. at this point. Um, I also think like the Kevin Herter trade I like but I also don't like it because never mind that you gave up a first round pick. It's protected so long that you've now handcuffed your ability to go out and make other trades because you haven't. And that's part of my issue with what they did this off season. You did not take a material step forward in either direction. Mm-hmm. I don't think you got progressively worse. I don't think you got more than incrementally better. And you're still like, who are the teams in this conference that are definitely worse than the Kings this year? And I will, I'll say the thunder the Rockets, the Spurs, and I'll say the Jazz just because they don't want to be better than the Kings. That's it. And so you now have to beat out one other team aside from those four to make the play-in. And I don't know if the path is as clear there. And this is coming from someone who is like, I'm incredibly high on De'Aaron Fox still. I'd like to see him put it together for more than just like three quarters of a season. The other thing I think we need to be not like just more cognizant of, the Kings traded Tyrese Halliburton in part because like they were trying to maximize De'Aaron Fox, but they just weren't high on that pairing moving forward. We then wanted them to draft Jaden Ivey, who was more of an, because Halliburton to me was not an iffy fit alongside De'Aaron Fox. No, that was the wrong decision. Can we agree like that? The, trading Halliburton, I think was a, objectively a mistake, especially for Sabonis. Do, I, 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 I do. I do think it was a mistake, uh, but to me it doesn't. And the fit with Sabonis and Fox was better than I expected offensively. Mm-hmm. And that of course doesn't, come into play here. I'm almost saying like, I couldn't, even if I thought Jaden Ivey is going to be the better player, I'm honestly not sure we would have like killed the Kings because they just got rid of Halliburton, who was a cleaner fit next to Fox than Jaden Ivey ever would have been. So I would have, I would have killed them. I wouldn't have killed them for, cause I think picking Ivey would have been the right decision. I think they've just made the wrong decision twice in a row. Basically. That's, so that's, that, no, that's, that's, that's how fair. I would look at it. And like, look, maybe Ivey, Ivy could be a zero. Like, we don't know. Like they're just, it's too early. Like, but I just thought that like moving Halliburton was wrong and then not drafting Ivy was wrong. And I think I feel really confident about the first one and I guess we'll see on the second. Yeah. So I I even feel like a B minus, maybe it's like too generous, but I think that they didn't do anything nuclear, which Mm -hmm. is good to get better. And if you had told me uh, my original qualm would have been, well, if they did something nuclear to get worse and just start this thing entirely over uh, that, yes, I could give them a higher grade, but at this point, like if you were ever going to do that, Halliburton should have still been on your team. And there is to me, there still feels like a lack of innovation here because I do feel like they're so concerned with ending the playoff drought in any sort of context that they would be satisfied with being ninth. And it's just like, that doesn't do it for me when you traded someone like Halliburton and there were, I don't know what other offseason moves they could have made, but I don't think I feel confident in any of their moves panning out in their favor. Like Malik Monk, I think is just very plug and play here and can fit. Does he maximize this roster in the context of the playoff discussion? No, the, again, the Kevin Herter thing, very good. 
can do some secondary stuff off the dribble. Good shooter. That that's going to be valuable around Fox and Sabonis, especially if you still get planning getting out in transition. There's also just like why is Rashawn Holmes still on this team? Is his trade value mm-hmm. cratered? Uh, I know he was dealing with off court custody battle with his son, and I hope his son is okay. Um, I just like and he's a good player. On, looking at the on the court stuff, uh, he's really good. And so you look at it as oh, when Rashawn Holmes is your backup five, that's great. Why? Like Rashawn Holmes to yeah. me is a starting center in the league. Um, so there does still feel like not an aimlessness, but a failure to put together something here. But I just like nothing was detrimental and relative. And there were stuff to like actually like or be pop- like, I, I'm okay with the Brown uh, signing. I like the vision with Murray. I like that Monk just like can really give you that blast of shooting and just like even some, some downhill shooting, like not get to the rim, but the stop and pops there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm not high on them to make the playoffs next season, which is why maybe I was too generous, but I ended up at a B minus. No, I mean, we're in the same range. We both gave them an above average grade, right? Like they did better than average. Um, I, I, I just, yeah, I mean, a lack of a lack of a direction, a lack of commitment, a lack of a plan is like nothing new. That's like the defining feature, I, I feel. I mean, the plan is to like try to try to finish. It used to be, let's try to finish eighth. And now it's like, let's get it. probably it. still is. Like it's it's make the plan. I don't even think, they can't right. be. Let, let's, let's just very quickly, because we have to get out of here the teams that are better in the West than the Kings without a shadow of a doubt, uh, the Clippers, the it's Nuggets. It's easier to do the worst ones. Do the worst That's ones. I'm mean. just saying, but like, I would say there's definitely six. There's the Clippers, the Nuggets, the Warriors, the Suns. Uh, I would probably throw the Timberwolves. They're definitely better than the Kings there at this point. A hundred percent. My spiciest take might be that the Kings have a better chance of being better than the Mavericks, than the Pelicans. So uh, just to, just to go through, like, so, I think depending on what happens with the Lakers, no question, the Thunder, Rockets, and Spurs will be worse than than the Kings. And if I would argue that there is a question about the Thunder because I think that they're the next title team. But please carry on. You know what? That's actually not crazy. (laughs) I would say that it is like it is catastrophic if the Kings finish behind any of those those four teams. Just total disaster. Unless Utah just decides to trade for Kevin Durant with all the picks they got from the Gobert trade and run it with Mitchell and KD for one season. Yeah, and, and Utah. They're really competing with the Lakers. What, for 10th in the conference? Is that what we're saying? Yeah. Uh, so, And I will say this. Kings fans, who are spectacular, by the way, I, like Kings fans are very self-aware and they remain so passionate about a team that the organization itself, the people in charge, have seldom mm-hmm. deserved it. So I love them. They should want these grades to be worse, I think, because I kind of feel like we're sort of uh, – g- like allowing them too much of a curve here or too much runway. Um, and so. I hope we're not, but B minus C plus both above average grades. We've wrapped up the off season grades. This was spectacular. Follow grant on Twitter at GT underscore Hughes. The rest of the socials, including mine are in the podcast and YouTube descriptions. Join our discord. Grant is not lurking, but I am. Uh, and the links to that are in the podcast and YouTube description. Um, please consider subscribing to us in general, if you have not already. And if you're just listening to us because it's off season, there's dearth of content. We're the only ones. Hardwood Knox have been daily in, during the offseason for some reason. Don't don't ask me why. There's not really a benefit for Grant or I for putting out that much content, but we enjoy it. Uh, so give us a follow, subscription, ratings on Spotify and Apple help us a ton. And if you've done all that, word of mouth is a big help too. Tell people about us, retweet our promos on Twitter. Until next time, and as always, Grant and I leave you with an emphatic shout out to the one, the only, the legendary Frank Nielakina. <laughs>